The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. Hey everyone, welcome to Connected. I'm Nick Mataragas, Assistant Director at Side Street Studio Arts, and uh, this is a show where we have conversations with members of the arts communities. Um, joining me this week is Michael Brott. He is an improviser and um, a, I don't know if it's soon to be or budding or already but not open yet theater <laughs> owner. Is that Aspiring? a fair way to put it? Aspiring? That's a good one. Sure. Why not? Um, so we know each other a little bit. We've, we used to perform together. Um, so how long? I, I feel like you were improvising before I was, I think. Is that right? I don't. Well, I to be fair, I think I was improvising before you were only because I'm older, I'm sure. Uh, I <laughs> was we in college had a uh, the humor artist. I went to Notre Dame. They're still around the humor artists and Notre Dame is of course still around. Mm-hmm. And they, we had done a lot of sketch and my undergrad, I went to Notre Dame for undergrad and then I came back for law school and the humor artists, by the time I got back to law school, were kind of focusing more on improv. However, we had no idea how to do improv. No one took <laughs> any classes. So we really just kind of, did the exact we had no concept of yes and so we would be the prototypical bad improv scene where someone would come by and say hey i'm walking a dog and the other person would say that's not a dog that's a lizard on the end of that leash it was the opposite of what you're supposed to do for improv so after that i um got out of law school got married and my ex-wife now had bought me an improv class at a theater where nick you were performing and i will say you were one of the very first i think you were the first person to welcome me because you you guys were kind of a tight-knit group that were taking these formal improv classes and mm-hmm. i had taken a class years before i came back and met kind of your group and it was just sort of a one-off class and then when i came back for more formal training because i realized the theater we were at, we were at was like a mile from my house, and you were the first one to kind of greet me because you had you guys already sort of had this tight knit group, and then I feel like we sort of all became thick as thieves and improvised together. Well, I apologize for bringing you in to uh, all the shit. <laughs> this is your fault. It's all my fault, apparently. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was the first one to welcome you in. I'm sorry. Um, no, but those those were fun times. We we had a yeah. lot of really fun shows together, and then um, you know not going to drag into drama or anything but you know there was a split from from uh the theater uh, a group of performers including yourself left the theater and went out to do other things um and honestly i i know a little bit of about where you went but i don't know a lot about where you went after you left the theater yeah so there was the theater we were at was doing a lot of short form and i just sort of had some creative differences with with the owner at the time and was a little bit frustrated and felt like I was, I was stagnating a little bit in my own improv. And so the time kind of came where sort of my improv Yoda that I met through that theater, Joe Keefe was, he's just a great guy. I was doing some writing projects for him and he kind of had a split from the theater and I thought to myself, this is probably as good a time as any <laughs> to branch out. So at that time, I took m- some classes at I.O. and sort of got the long form improv bug. Mm-hmm. 
So that led me to a different theater, also in a Western suburb, that I, Joe Keefe and a couple of performers that you know that had left the other theater Mm -hmm. met with the owners of this new theater and we kind of sat down they're like hey these are some good joe keefe kind of vouched for us knowing because he knew some people that knew those owners and it just kind of vouched for us so we ended up doing some long form there we were one of the early teams and i i feel like i'm a relatively reliable person i feel like i'm a pretty good performer and so I kind of just had worked my way up to being on their stage very regularly to the point where I was on several teams on their stage. And then um, the owners, there were two owners, they eventually asked me to join them in ownership. And so I bought into the ownership of that theater. And then uh, one owner left because he was, I think, feeling a little bit... Um, a little bit suffocated maybe by by what was going on at the theater. And then it, it kind of came to a head. And I sound like the problem I know from all these stories. <laughs> but <laughs> but it kind of came to a head where I think I was pretty clear on what direction I want when I signed up for ownership on what direction I kind of saw the theater going eventually. And the owner that was left and I eventually realized that we didn't agree on that. And then I'm also a real estate lawyer, and mm-hmm. so he had re-upped our lease without showing me, without without Ooh. asking me to review it, without, and I didn't really know the financials. Like I was kind of, for me, it was a very low um, cost of investment, and for me, it was just more fun to do than I was worried about the business part of it. But when it came, actually came to the business part of it, I was very frustrated with how it was handled. So I realized that it was I offered to buy him out or offered for him to buy me out. And I thought he was frustrated enough at the time that he might want me to buy him out. And I, cause I had also been looking for a new space for that theater at, for, you know, six months. And, um, when, so when he signed the lease ostensibly without telling me, I was kind of like, okay, this is probably a good time for me to move on and find my own thing. And, for really the better part of about four or five years, I've been looking for a space originally for that other theater. And then now for myself and for my wife, I also got married in that time period. And um, so we we had some very close deals in hand (laughs) that like were close enough that we'd announced and they fell apart. One, we had difficulty with a landlord for the first one that just kind of the last thing that we were trying to accomplish, he just kind of got unreasonable for, in my opinion. And, and also in other attorneys opinions that I talked to. So again, not necessarily my fault. And then, um, COVID we went under lease for another space that we had some contingencies. And fortunately, frankly, we didn't get that one open because COVID would have hit right after we would have opened and we would have never survived. So as I was pretty devastated by the ones that fell through, but the most recent one up in Batavia that had fallen through, we're really lucky we didn't get to doors open because it would be almost impossible, I think, for a theater to survive as almost brand new with no real goodwill established in a relatively small town to survive the pandemic. It's hard enough for the established theaters. IO is closed during the pandemic. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. So for this new one, our next theater, which is going to be in Aurora, and it is going to be, this is a very full circle story. So it's a mile from our house because it is the theater that you and I met at, Nick. Right. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's the interesting thing. Um, 
I, I, you know, I've been following the kind of because the theater's called the Bit, the Bit Theater, right? Correct. Yes, and, our theater is. Yes, and uh, yeah, your theater. Yes, uh, I, I don't want to get confused with the, the previous theater. Um, <laughs> Should and, we start naming names? Or <laughs> I mean, we could. We don't have to. It's up to you. Okay, let's keep um, all any copyright yeah. demons away from us. Right. Um, but it, it has been an interesting journey because I've seen like I obviously I, I haven't seen any of the behind the scenes stuff, but you know, I think it was the first town was like Elmhurst or Lombard or somewhere yeah, around uh, there. Elmhurst was we were right. the closest. The, that was the first very good. Elmhurst yeah. was the close it was a really cool space and we actually tried to revisit it. And then the second one that I mentioned with COVID was Batavia. Mm -hmm. Batavia, yeah. And after Batavia fell through, I actually reached back out to the landlord at Elmhurst because he still hadn't leased that space and it's a cool space. And Elmer's is a cool town. Batavia is a cool town. And he just, he still wasn't ready to be reasonable. So I, I eventually I realized, I was like, hey, you know what? This is, this is quote unquote, a perfect space, except for the fact that like the landlord's not perfect for us. So mm -hmm. that means it's not the perfect space for us. So we had to move from that. Fortunately, we were lucky enough not to really have spent a whole lot of money I mean, we'd applied for a liquor license in Batavia, which cost a few bucks. We'd done a couple things, got a graphic designer to do some logo work for us. But we weren't out of pocket a ton of money after those first couple had fallen through. So frankly, we were lucky. If this one falls through, we are in trouble because now we've started spending some money. Okay, that's fair. Um, so has it been most of, the, most of the journey so far in, this, in, in creating the bit, um, has it been mostly real estate work trying to get the real estate figured out or have there been other things going on uh behind the scenes as well or great question i would say 90 percent real estate like negotiating and finding space and looking and every time my heart's been broken <laughs> on one of these spaces i've had to kind of lick my wounds for a week and then be like all right i'm this is still my dream like i there the right space is out there it just hurts when the couple spaces that I thought were the ideal space when Elmhurst fell through, you know, I was like, Oh, that was the space. Maybe this mm -hmm. is not worth it. And then I found Batavia. I'm like, this space is maybe even better than what Elmhurst was. And that fell through. I'm like, well, there's no way we're going to find that space again. And then we found a space that's a mile from my house <laughs> that is already built out to be a theater. And right. to be fair, I had resisted looking at this, this space out of respect for the theater that had been there. Um, and just, I didn't want, I don't want a comedy war. I don't want an improv war. I don't want to go to war with anyone. And I did reach out to the old owner and, and tried to, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I tried to ask for a sort of blessing on that. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's not into it. I do think that there is room for both theaters to coexist because the theater that had occupied our space before ostensibly moved across the parking lot <laughs> right into so, so we are very close but i also have a buddy that lives on irving park in chicago or used to live on irving park in chicago and there were like six improv theaters within a city block of his uh, condo so i get that that's chicago but aurora is the second biggest i believe city in the state right second, next door to second or third yeah somewhere around yeah, there, yeah and if it's if it's third then joliet is second which is right there and naperville is fourth i think which is right there so there's there are so many comedians and there are so many people that especially when we come out of this pandemic that want to see live theater that want to laugh and just want to be part of a community again we i i think we weren't we would have been doing ourselves a disservice to 
be too polite because at some point, I mean, I've got exposure with other theaters too. At some point, am I just forbidden, I guess, from opening a theater in any of these other places just out of loyalty to old theaters? I just don't think mm-hmm. at some point we had to look out for ourselves and sure. I just realized, hey, this is this is our dream. Like are, we have to consider our own business decisions and we're going to offer a distinct product uh, from what the theater that was in there was and from any theaters, hopefully. I mean, that's the whole point. So um, I think one of the things, one of our biggest challenges once we get our doors open is going to be to distinguish ourselves from that other, from the theater that had occupied the space before and just let people know, hey, this is not, we're not doing the things that they were doing. We have a different brand. We have a different style. We have, this is completely new ownership. We're not related to them at all. We're not connected to them at all. And I've already, I hate to say this, but I have seen some examples from both theater owners that I were, was relatively close to of maybe some slip ups and things that weren't necessarily handled. Well, there was that whole huge article when IO West closed that kind of aired out a lot of Sharna's dirty laundry, which, you know, whether it's fair or not, mm-hmm. I think that I've had my own law practice for almost 11 years now. And I, I think I have a sort of unique ability to have, I think I'm a good performer. I think I have a lot to say in improv. I think I'm a good teacher. And I also think that I understand that like, even though our business product is comedy, our business is not a joke. Like we have to treat our business seriously and we have to make decisions. And I, one of the other things that's, I think a little bit difficult for a lot of improvisers, a lot of comedians is there's sort of a a man behind the curtain feel to a lot of improv where it's, you're not really always sure of like how your what your path is to get on stage at some theaters. You're not always sure like what you're going to be taught from week to week. So we want to be a little bit more transparent about stuff like that and have an actual like written curriculum. So if we're week three of of a class and Nick Madaragas is teaching for us and I am teaching the class and I'm sick, that I can say, Nick, we're on week three. Here's the curriculum. Here's what we've done. You know what we've done before. You know what we're going to do in the future. And I don't want to, part of the magic of improv is the fact that it's all made up on the spot. I don't want to over, you know, over mechanize it, I guess, Mm -hmm. is, is maybe the word for it. But I also don't think it's good if you have a group of students all start at week one and half of them get taught this, half of them get taught that, and they're all you know, sort of mismatched. It's it's good to have a product that I feel like you're confident in, and that and that is is more stable. I that's guess. fair. I think that's interesting, especially talking about the training, um, because I, we've both taken classes of places that are kind of within that range. I would say that where we perform together, um, the curriculum was very loose based, and so like yeah. I would talk to people like that finished level one, and be like, "Well, what? How about when you guys did this?" And they were like, "We didn't do that in level one." <laughs> Um, right. Whereas an IO wasn't, you know, IO was not perfect in any way. And no, you mentioned, you mentioned Sharna who Sharna Halpern was the owner of both the IO theaters. Um, but they had at least more of a developed curriculum where this is, this is the, the level you learn these things. This is the level where you learn these things. Um, now within the different teachers, it was, it varied, um, what you, right. how you got to those points, but they had those set benchmarks, which I think is more what you're talking about. Right. And it also varied. 
I, the the level one that I took at IO with Tara Du Francisco, who was just about, I feel like every starting improviser should get her as a teacher because she's just so enthusiastic and such a wonderful person. And so it makes you want to take improv. But my class, pretty much everyone in that class, I mean, I was already theater owner at that point. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone in that class was pretty well versed in improv. So mm. by the end of the eight weeks, we were starting the first beat of a Herald, which is not, you're not supposed wow. to start that in level one at IO. So it, it's also class-based too. You know, if the teacher's like, well, I'm not going to waste three hours on just yes and, you know, we, they can kind of push along a little bit further. So I get it. Like, the, I think our whole goal, not I think, our whole goal is to have teachers that are flexible enough to understand that we don't want to be holding people back or pushing people along too quickly, but also have guidance. Because I I was actually teaching a class at Paramount Theater in Aurora. They were kind of trying to start an improv program, sort of, sort of short for me. Although I asked them, because this was just, it, the class actually got canceled when the pandemic started. But before I um, took the class, I was like, so what do you want me to teach? I'm like, do you want me to teach short form, long form? And, and the person who was organizing the program, delightful woman, but you know, I don't think she's ever taken an improv class. So she's like, um, okay, what's the difference between the two of those? So I'm like, okay, well, here's this thing. I'm like, do you want me to help you develop a curriculum? Do you want me to do all this stuff? So um, eventually I think she probably just Googled like a short form curriculum and just sent it to me. But you know what, there are those things that are helpful for the teacher that are helpful for the students and helpful for the theater that are important to think about, I think, before you just throw it out there and say, hey, we're going to do an eight-week class because that's what everyone else does. And we're going to start with yes and because that's what everyone else does. So mm-hmm. we're we're not trying to be different for the sake of being different. We just think that I've taken a lot of improv, I've performed a lot of improv, and I've taught a lot of improv at this point. And I just think that my take on it is unique enough to be part of this theater space. And we also want to create a an IO-like feel where the, the, the Kingsbury space on IO before they shut down was a space where a performer could, even if they didn't have a class, could go and hang out and see other performers and talk about improv and celebrate improv. And the other thing that we want to do is New York has stand-up, LA has Hollywood, no one can take away from Chicago that this really is basically, maybe St. Louis has an argument, but Chicago is basically the birthplace of improv. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we sometimes forget a little bit about that history. And we want to like do some shows that like harken back to like Nichols and May and like do those things that are, that are try and figure out what the original Herald was, like do those things that were kind of cool and unique um, to Chicago and to the history of the of improv, which is we're very excited about. That's very cool. So, um, just for our listeners who may not know, I've brought it up in a couple of interviews. But the difference between short form and long form is basically short form is um, you, you you do a series of games. Each game gets a new suggestion and has a different premise, and you do a short scene or activity based on that. And then you move on to the next thing, which basically starts completely over uh, during the show. Whereas long form is you get a suggestion or have some sort of starting point at the beginning of a show. And then the entire show for the entire length of it is based off of that that one beginning. And so that's the basic difference between long form and short form um, for those of you that don't know. Um, That's a good description. And I'm excited that I can finally, 
if you're thinking about short form, you can always point to whose line is it anyway, because mm-hmm. that's what that's that's the prototypical short form. And anytime everyone's like, well, what's the difference between that and long form? I never had an example, but I don't know if, you've, Nick, you've seen it yet, but on Netflix, they have a special called Middle Ditch and Schwartz now. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, boy. So my wife and I got to see them. They were in the Chicago theater before the pandemic on that tour, and they filmed three of their specials. They're about an hour each on Netflix. You'll recognize both guys. Thomas Middleditch is from Silicon Valley and from, like I think, T-Mobile commercials. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Schwartz is from Parks and Rec and House of Lies. It's it's I don't know how well it translates to the general public because it's a lot of inside baseball jokes that they're making about improv, but it's actually long form sets that are on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping because Netflix has been so supportive of stand up, I feel like they've done produced a ton of stand up specials. I've probably watched Middle Edition Schwartz five times, <laughs> and I'm hoping everyone else does that and bumps their numbers up so Netflix puts more long-form specials on Netflix, because it's for me, it's very gratifying to watch. But now there's actually an example out there if you guys are interested in seeing some long-form. That's great. That's a great example to go with. Um, also, I think people don't realize how much stuff they see on TV is 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 improvised. Yeah, and, or partially. Is- Right. Uh, things like uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Christopher mm-hmm. Guest movies. Um, yes. All that stuff is, it's basically long form improv. It's like, right. here's the premise, just go with it. Right. Um, Shockingly, The Office was not much improv. They no. did, The writers were just so good, they made it seem improvised. So, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm is, is notorious for it. And yeah, mm-hmm. and fun to watch. It is. Um, so we're talking a little bit about the vision of, of the theater and is there specific styles of long form you're looking for? I, you mentioned, you know, hearkening back to the old Herald, like the original Herald. Um, uh, I think a lot of people's complaints about long form, which are at least partially justified, is, is that <laughs> it's it's not as accommodating to a lay person as, as short form is. Um, is that something you're going to try to address at your That's theater? It. I will say, first of all, that's absolutely fair because we were, we were, I was painting chairs for the theater because this is the sort of the layman's work that we're trying to get done now uh, with a couple of friends that were helping and my wife, of course. And afterwards, I was like, hey, let's watch Middle Dish and Schwartz. And the wife was asleep within the first 10 minutes and the, <laughs> and the husband was like, what am I watching? So I, I think that that's totally fair. It's It's a slower burn. I think it's the difference between watching you know oh big bang theory versus watching something like a like a curb your enthusiasm or something like the office that's a little bit not it's a little more subtle um what we're gonna do and frankly all of these plans the second they don't work (laughs) this is gonna be the beauty part of owning a theater we're gonna try everything we're gonna throw it at the wall we're gonna see if it works if it doesn't we're gonna move on so our initial plan though to start up is a lot of Long form theaters, it seems to me, cast teams. So long form, you usually have a team of anywhere. From, I mean, I've been on teams of three. I've been on teams teams of up to 12 mm-hmm. that will do sets, that will do a performance together, you know, a 20-minute set together. What we're going to do is we're going to cast performers, and we're not going to worry about the team approach yet. I think the performers, if we can foster this sort of community where people want to hang out together... I think we'll kind of naturally start to form their own teams. And so what I want to do is cast performers that I trust, that I inherently trust, that I would be on stage with, that I know have my back, and then I know can perform with anyone. Because one of the t- 
teams I was on before I left the second theater was I, it was just me and I would take a random person from the audience and I would improvise with them. And this, this is not an original thing. Tara DeFrancisco used to do this called the DeFrancisco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think that that's something that I pride myself on my ability to be a good supporting improviser um, and to know when to take a lead and to know when to step back. And that's a really hard thing, not to toot my own horn, but I think that's a hard thing for a lot of improvisers to get because they want to get laughs and they want to help. And I think the way that a lot of people naturally think to help is to say funny things and to lead the other person along. And I think you can help just as much by following and by going with their idea and just running with it. I always tell my students, I have not said, I'm sure, so many hilarious premises in my improv career because the scene moves on. And I'm like, oh, that was a really good idea, but cool, we're going to go with this thing. And I think that the ability to let that go and the ability to um, to run with other people's ideas is one of the hardest things for us, as, or at least for me initially as an improviser, is letting go of all these, you know, quote unquote, brilliant ideas that I have and making something cool with the other person. Cause I always also teach my students, it's a tennis match. Like you're, you need to serve the ball over the net and have it come back to you. And it's not going to go exactly where you think it is coming back over the net. And then you hit it back over the net. It's probably not going to go exactly where you send it. And they're not going to return it the same way. And I think that's the beauty of improv is and another thing I say to my students, you bring a brick to build a wall. Like you, if you are the one that brings all the bricks and you're the one that's building the wall, it's great. I'm sure you've built a nice wall, but like it's a boring brick wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and where have you got a bunch of other people bringing their own bricks? You might have a cinder block here and, a, and one of those classic red mortar bricks here. It's going to look like a wacky wall. It's going to be a lot more interesting, maybe a lot less stable, but it's going to be a lot more fun and a lot more satisfying if that thing actually stands up. So... That's that's our goal so far. I want to find improvisers that that I trust to be able to lead and I trust to be able to follow. And then we're going to do, this is a very long-winded answer to your question, then we're going to do things like, um, you know, one of the forms we want to do, and again, all improv is basically stolen from other people. <laughs> Matt Besser on Improv for Humans lots of times does a musical episode where he has a, a singer-songwriter come in, perform a song. It's like an Armando, but with a song. So they'll perform a song and then the improvisers will improvise based off the lyrics of that song. Sometimes they'll ask some questions. I think that the music community is delightfully loyal and super geeky and doesn't know a whole lot about the comedy community. And I think the comedy community is delightfully loyal, super geeky, and doesn't know a whole lot about the music community. So I want to do on Thursday nights, have that kind of form. And if I cast correctly, I should be able to say, hey... You know, we need eight people to do, a, we're probably going to call it Armando number five, um, to do, a, 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 and I'll credit John Corso for that idea because that's a great name for it. Um, like an idea like that, I want to just be able to say, hey, from the stable of, you know, 30 performers, 50 performers, 100 performers, however, excuse me, however many we have, we can just say, hey, who who is available? Who wants to perform? And hopefully we've got performers enough to that that can just roll with it and just can just perform together cuz i know there's a lot to be said about practicing together rehearsing together getting to know each other and that's great and i i hope that happens naturally and if it doesn't we'll have to do other stuff 
But I also don't like, there's a lot of, um, in long form in particular, there's a lot of casting where it's like, hey, Nick, you play a bunch of good characters, so you be the character guy on this team. And I always play straight men, so Michael, you be the straight guy on this team. Mm -hmm. And Kat Rabarsky, you are hilarious at puns. You have good punchlines. You be the punchline person on this team. And like, I want our performers to be able to fulfill all of those roles, because that, to me, is what improv is. You should be able to do all those. And maybe we'll only have three people that I trust. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I trust that are in our cast. And you know what? I'd rather do that. And I'd rather, I don't want to put up bad shows. Like I just don't, I don't want to sacrifice our quality just for the sake of saying, Hey, but at least we did an hour's worth of improv on Friday night. Cause to me, that's, that's not what it's supposed to be. Cause I want to do this because I love it. And I want this to, I want to transition this to be my full-time career and I think I have a lot to say, and I think there it's it's been kind of overwhelming because as of this recording, we haven't quite yet announced anything, yet mm-hmm. a couple people have already reached out to me asking questions that I have never even heard. I did not know these people existed because I feel like there's a tendency to see sort of the same faces, see the same teams, see the same teachers out here in the suburbs, and... To me, that's not the greatest thing. I, I want to see new faces. And, and so if we cast a bunch of people and they're even if you're seeing similar faces and they're mixed and matched with with other people, I think that that's a that's more improv to me. We can do this like we can just get this together. We can throw this up in five minutes because, Nick, you came and were very nice when we were thinking of Batavia. You at the sort of the last minute came and helped us do an outdoor show, not a great venue in Batavia. We got together, you know, a half hour before because we trusted each other and said, hey, let's do these, you know, 10 improv games and let's go with it. And everyone, I got nothing but positive feedback from that show. I hadn't performed with you in probably six years. Something, something like, like that. that, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, those are the kind of performers. Basically, Nick, I'm asking for your hand as a performer <laughs> in marriage. <laughs> no. But, like, oh. those are the kind of performers I, that I want, that I trust, that I that I can can rely on to do a good show. Right. No, I think that's that's a valid point. Um, and I, I think uh, you, you, you broach a topic that I think is – very important right now in, in the state of improv in general and the fact that you said i want to make good shows i don't want to just be like hey we did improv for an hour on friday night and that's right. success um because i think there is a, a kind of a culture right now of hey it's up it is what it is um you know we're just gonna go out there and do a thing and hey it's a thing and that was it um and i think there is a lack of pride well, i don't even know if it's pride or if it's because i think there's a pride but it's like a smug pride it's almost like a lack of awareness that the audience exists and that you're supposed to be playing for them yeah i yes i agree and disagree with that Fair enough. <laughs> so i i do want i want my performers to do interesting things and 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 you know, be entertaining. But at the same time, I don't want them to pander. Like, I don't want them to be afraid to do, make bold choices and do, and and not be afraid of sensitive topics. Like, I I think, not I think, we're going to teach them in our curriculum to how to maybe handle or give some ideas on how to handle those types of topics. But I want to 
be surprised. We are Joe Keefe always used to teach us, Nick, if we've satisfied the audience's expectations, we have failed as improvisers. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to exceed their expectations because if we just satisfy expectations, then why are we on stage and why aren't they? Because sure. they, they're as smart as we are. So, um, but I, I do agree with you. There's, and God bless all of you people that are doing Zoom prov, <laughs> but oh, man. oh my God. It's so like, hard. I don't know that anyone at the other end is watching, even if they're logged in. I think people are logging in because they love you and then just being like, okay, I can't watch this. It, it is so hard. And I tried to teach classes via Zoom and my students were amazing. They were gave great feedback. They were enthusiastic. But some of them had never taken improv before. And I'm like, I am sorry that this is your introduction to improv because it's not the same. And so I, it got to the point where I even asked one of my classes, I'm like, do you want to do another level of this or should we just wait until the theater is open? And they're like, let's just wait. And I'm like, okay, I feel the same way because I, and we don't want to, I mean, we're staring at a screen right now. You probably looked at a screen for most of your day. Like there comes a time when it's just like, I don't want to be not interacting with people <laughs> other than through these screens for another right. hour. Right. No, that's 100% accurate. And that, I think that's a good point. And I, I think, you know, mentioning the expectations of the audience, I think it's not that people are trying to exceed the expectations of the audience. It's that a lot of performers aren't aware of the expectations yeah. of the audience, which is, you know, what's the point of being a performer? What, what's the point of charging to, to, for people to come to see you if you're not going to at least know where the bar is so you can try to exceed the bar. Yeah. You know, um, I agree. I also yeah. don't want to be the type of theater owner, though, that people are trying to play up to my expectations because I've taught a lot of classes where it's you can tell on day one who the guy or girl is who's auditioning already for being a main stage performer. And it's like, I don't, this is not an audition. And I tell them that at the beginning, this is not an audition. You might be the funniest in your group of friends. I don't even care if students are funny. I just care that they learn how to improvise because if you keep improvising and improvise, you know, truth and comedy was, was that the book that, that Sharna and Dell, that was kind of their teaching philosophy. But Mm -hmm. if you are honest and you react honestly and you react super openly that is so funny to us because it's so shocking because in our real lives, we're so guarded and we're so, you know, if you're like, hey, do you like this shirt on me? In real life, if I don't, I'm going to say, hey, yeah, it's okay. It looks good on you. But in the improv scene, you could just be like, no, you look like an idiot. <laughs> what right. are you, a pirate? <laughs> like, I mean, you can say those things. And I've been doing that for a very long time. I, When I first started my my law practice, I was on the weekends doing living social. It was basically like running adult field trips. We'd take people up to wineries. We'd take people shooting and do all these kinds of things. And actually, the reason I had to leave that job is because I ended up on main stage at the theater that we're now, now taking over the space. So the people, I would that job was built for me because the people that I would take on those trips they thought it was so funny when I just be honest with them. And I would just flat out say like, what you just said is a stupid thing. And not like in a mean way, but like the thing you said, you're saying, and in polite society, this like slides by, but like in the improv world, we can say those things. We can just put our emotions. We can literally say our emotions out loud. And 
not avoid that or not have that confusion, not have that like cagey kind of, oh, I'm saying something coy. I really mean something else. Just say what you mean. That's another thing I like to teach. No, that's a good point. And I think uh, it, it comes down to talking about being able to take things in and, and re- react honestly. I used in a discussion years ago with other improvisers, I used the word uh, vulnerability, the idea of being yes. vulnerable. And so there was some blowback like, oh, well, you don't have to be vulnerable. That, that intones weakness. I'm like, that doesn't mean weakness. No. It just means you're taking it in, you know, and there's also it. nothing wrong with being weak. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with being weak on stage. I tell my students all the time, I'm like, I would much rather get someone to cry because of something I did on stage and get them to laugh because I can make people laugh. I know how to make people laugh. A couple times I've made people be like, oh, or like cry or like actually emotionally affected them. And those sit with me a lot more than making people laugh because anyone can make someone laugh. Just swear or, you know, say a fart joke. Then people will be like, ha ha ha, because they're feeling uncomfortable. But if you actually elicit a vulnerable emotion, you let yourself be vulnerable. I was actually right before the pandemic too. Of course, everything feels like right before the pandemic. <laughs> I was in a, a play at um, also in Aurora at the little little kind of hole in the wall theater. It's a great theater called Riverfront Theater, um, probably like a 40 seater or so. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and a, a great um, co-star or he was probably the star. I was probably like the supporting actor, but um, Terry Warman. And it was this play called Daddies. And it was about these two guys. It was just the two of us. These two guys coming to grips with a very difficult relationship because he was living with my ex and my kids that she had moved on from me and and was living with this this new character. And so I was in for Christmas. And I went to places on stage where I, I get now why actors can make themselves cry because there were times that like I was really empathetic with this character and really feeling those emotions. And I don't want to say I'm a good actor, but I had, I had, there were a couple pin drop moments where there's this emotional outburst that my character has in the play. And there, you couldn't hear a pin drop when I let it sit in the air and I was like, dang, that, that is a cool reaction. Like, I can get laughs. I know I can get laughs. I'm, I can get laughs. But to get just shocked silence was a cool change of pace for me. And there's no reason that can't fit into improv. It should fit into improv because that's real. That's real, true life stuff that happens. Yeah. No, that's that's a valid point. Um, so I want to talk about the space a little bit more. Um, sure. Just because I know the space. Um <laughs> So I don't know what the the other two spaces were like, but obviously this one has two stages. Are you planning on utilizing both stages right away? Great question. Not right away, we weren't thinking. One, because furniture is more expensive than we were expecting. <laughs> so so we we had a lot of thoughts on how much this is going to cost us. It's going a little bit over budget, but we also want to make this space cool. But that was one of the big appealing things, Nick. You're right about the space because what I'm going to do is just program the hell out of that first space. Like until that first space is like, we cannot fit more people in this theater, then we'll start to look at that second space and say, hey, you know, we have overflow space or, or, or something like that. So just to give you some ideas what we've got going on and hopefully build up some hype. So that Thursday night, some some ways we might use the space earlier than I think, the second space. When we do that Thursday night, like um, singer-songwriter Armando number five, we might 
consider doing a concert like before or after because if I'm a singer songwriter, I might be like, ah, I don't really want to come out, play five songs and have you guys make like dick jokes about my songs. And then I, that's the end of my night. So like for those possibly do like either a merge show for both of them and then maybe do in the second theater the singer songwriter and then also do like a pure comedy show afterwards or maybe just the singer songwriter just do their concert or before or after do something like that and then also like i know nick you write a ton of sketch shows and like i i think the beauty part of that theater is being able to offer folks like you that might be looking for a space like that the ability to be like hey i can give you a Friday night at eight o'clock instead of like, hey, do your show Sunday at 2 p.m. because we're not using the stage. So that gives us a lot of flexibility with that to be able to, to yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to utilize it. I don't want to compete a ton against myself initially, but I don't think, frankly, Nick, if you're coming in and wanting to do your show on a Friday night at eight o'clock, to me, I don't think that that really does compete with us because I think, you know, even if you're doing a, a, a improv show, like I feel like you're doing something different, like you're doing something different mm-hmm. from what our brand is. So I, I'm struggling a little bit still with figuring out how we'll say, not in a mean way, but hey, this isn't like bit theater endorsed <laughs> over here. Sure. This is sort of our experimental stage. This is like our guest stage. Um, I, I just have to get the messaging out for that because I don't know if you're going to come in and do like a bunch of Hitler jokes or something like that, Nick, which you probably will. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that will be, um, that, that's something that we'll have to work on. I definitely developing our brand is going to be the biggest challenge right off the bat is mm-hmm. just making, cause who am I? And like, I, it's funny. I, I mean, the self doubt that I go through and here's my vulnerable moment, the self doubt that I go through on a daily basis, basically like, what do I have to say about improv? And then I'm like, what did Del Close have to say about improv until he started, <laughs> started teaching it? What did Sharna have to say? What did anyone have to say about improv until they just started doing it? And one of the things that I feel like is a real strength for me as an owner and a teacher is I am very aware that I am not the greatest improv- improviser on the planet. I'm very aware that I need help with things. I'm very aware that there are things that that I struggle with my improv, and I think that makes me a real improviser. And I'm also very aware that I've done enough improv where if anyone asks me a question of what I would do in a situation, I know I have an answer because I've I've been in that situation or a very similar situation throughout my improv career. So everyone's improv journey, as you know, is so unique and so interesting. And mine has been crazy. <laughs> it's been all over. The- I've done it all, I feel like, at this point. And I just want to do it. I want to put the whole package together in this place and create the community that I've always kind of longed for being out in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about um, your kind of set, uh, Thursday plans for shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask a little bit more about programming because obviously the big nights for entertainment are Friday and Saturday. You haven't really mentioned what's going to be going on there for, for those nights. Is there something already planned? Is I being cagey? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. No, no. Great question. So, so you're also a very good interviewer because you're letting me talk. I feel like a ton. (laughs) You're, and you're also clearly listening. I very well done, Nick. So, um, truthfully, our you know five year goal our like long term goal is to become out in the suburbs 
kind of what IO was. You knew IO, I think Mondays were Armando nights, like Tuesday were Herald nights, like, and just kind of have that um, kind of comfort level where people just know, hey, I want to see an Armando. I'm going to wait till Monday and go to IO. And I know I'm going to see an Armando team, a good Armando team. So great question. Initially, we are for sure, we're obviously going to do shows on Fridays and Saturday nights. I would like to not just fall into the trap of, hey, here's three teams that are going up because that's kind of the long form format that I think a lot of people have. One team goes up, does 15 minutes. Another team, come, team comes up, does 20 minutes. The last team comes up, does 25 minutes. It's great. Everyone has a good time. That's a great format. We'll definitely do some of that. But then I want to shake it up. I want to have an Armando night. I want to have a short form night. I want to have a, a Herald night. I want to do those things that, frankly, the audience might not even know that we're doing. Maybe they'll get used to it. And one of the things that bothered me a little bit about my the last theater I was at was there was um, too much of a mix of like a Saturday night, all of a sudden you're watch, watching like a student team and or like you're watching like a musical team or the, a Shakespeare team. And all those teams are great. But like, I think people need to be aware of what they're getting into because I might not want to go see a, on the, uh, a Shakespeare team, or I might not want to see musical theater that necessarily that night. So I think what we want to do is have an open, very, be very transparent about what's getting put up, have kind of our Friday, Friday and Saturday nights, at least in our main stage, be pretty consistent and have those other things be a little bit more special, like a little bit more, you know, maybe they're not performing as much. Maybe they're doing in the second stage. Maybe that's what our Thursday show or Wednesday, I would say, because I think Thursday, we're probably going to lock in that music form pretty quickly. Um, maybe that's Wednesdays. Maybe that's when we kind of do a rotating more, more, you know, Harry Potter. There's a Harry Potter long form. There's, mm -hmm. I'm working on a, um, uh, short form that I'm hoping is going to be as popular as something like Finnegan's Wake, Flanagan's Wake or like Tony and Tina that I'm working on for myself that that we can put up there. So then I've actually been working on that for about seven years, seven or eight years. So I've just had nowhere to put it. So sure. um, that we're going to try everything is basically the, the easy way to say it. Cool. Um, I think I only have like one more question for the most part, unless I think of something after. Please. Um, so timeline wise, where are we at timelines? Uh, timeline wise, on the theater. So I'm not sleeping. <laughs> if that's any <laughs> indication, I have I have not been getting much sleep. Um, so I, my goal. So we we have knocked off our contingencies. Our we had, our lease was contingent on the liquor license, which we got successfully, which is very exciting, and it was also on. Illinois moving to phase five and their COVID plan, which phase five is basically reopening. And that happened last week, apparently. <laughs> I've seen people without masks all the time now. So mm -hmm. our landlord is a total sweetheart. So I, in my head, believe, and if I just keep believing this, I will manifest this, believe that we can do a soft open July 30th and 31st. And then the week after, which is August 7th, that Saturday, the first, I guess the first August, maybe it's the 8th, August 7th or 8th, the first Saturday in August, do our heart open. Because okay. we want to avoid, um, if we miss that date, I don't really want to compete with schools going back open because I feel like that's a chaotic time, not just because I'm married to a teacher and vice principal, but because I think that's just not a great time to be 
people are not wanting to, they're exhausted when kids go back to school. So if we miss that, we'll probably be looking more toward like the, probably either the first or the third Saturday in September, because the second Saturday in September is September 11th. (laughs) I feel like that is not a great (laughs) night to open a comedy theater. So knock on wood, we're getting very close. I'm doing a million th- I'm web programming. I'm trying to get a website up and running and I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> those kinds of things all need to happen. We actually need to announce as of recording, we still have not actually announced this, although the Tribune kind of blew up our spot and the improv community is very, very small. So everyone mm-hmm. kind of knows about this already, but we would like to be able to announce and get our actual message out there. We've teased a couple of things, but I know there's multiple people have reached out to me asking about it, which is very, very, very flattering, very humbling, and very um, exciting. Because like, if there's already a buzz before we've actually announced anything. I think, I think we're hopefully going to hit the ground sprinting. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. And you, you did mention it, the community is very small. I think most people uh, kind of already know the, <laughs> the cat is starting to come out of the bag, at least. Yeah, um, the that there was a tribune or some guy i don't know who he is emailed me a week or two ago because apparently the tribune had sat in on our hearing for our liquor license i apologize if you can hear my dog had sat in on the hearing for our liquor license and he's like hey congratulations welcome to aurora i saw the tribune article i'm like what tribune article <laughs> and there's all these <laughs> There's all these quotes from me. I'm like, I did not sit. I'm like, oh, this is from the public liquor license hearing. They just sat in on that and then just wrote an article. I'm like, dang it. I wish they would have at least asked. But you know what? So be it. And we're still, we struggled when I had the conversation with the old owner and he kind of blew up um, at me. I was like, I don't want him to get our message out before we do. And my wife and I talked about it for a long time. And she's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just don't say anything and announce when we're ready to announce. And if he, if people ask about it, just defer. Defer until we're ready to announce. And so that's that's kind of the... It's weird. You're right, because like everyone knows, <laughs> it's the worst kept secret, I think, right now. But um, <laughs> And certainly, I better get that website up and better get that announcement up before this episode's released. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the date for that? Uh, we're releasing this episode. Um, uh, the plan is uh, on the twenty third. Perfect. So. We will the bitimprov.com will be up and running in a very ugly state <laughs> by the twenty <laughs> by the time of this release, and then we'll be oh so and at that point too. Speaking of timing, we want. To, I would probably have already have started auditioning, and our landlord is being very cool about it. There's a little bit of build out that we're gonna do. He's doing like some drywalling. The the previous owner that had not left the walls in great shape. So he's gonna have to fix up the walls. He's gonna paint, replace the carpeting. We're getting some furniture in there soon. I'm painting a bunch of chairs, 238 chairs. Can't necessarily fit all of them, but anyhow, um, it was I got a good deal on them. So those are the kinds of things that are happening. I'm having the meeting with the Coke guy, meeting with the Pepsi guy, seeing who makes us a better deal. I've reached out to the restaurant next door that they, they're delightful owners that are going to help provide food. So, um, cause we really want to make it a hangout place. And I feel like if you don't really kind of offer a reasonable food solution, it's not, people aren't going to want to hang out. They're going to want to get out of there. Um, we've got our point of sale system locked in. We've got our, um, theater management system locked in. I have a 
ton on my plate in the next to get that to happen, but I'm pretty confident I can do it. Awesome. That's uh, a lot going on. Yeah, how uh, confident are you that I can do it, Nick? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're pretty far along already, so that's a good Thank sign. You. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how things go, and uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic with two theaters across the parking lot from each other. It will. We will definitely have security cameras facing the parking lot, <laughs> just in case there's any bricks that find our. Speaking of bringing a brick to build a wall, if any bricks find their way through our windows, we will see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me, Mike. Um, is there? Thank I know you, you mentioned. Me. I know you mentioned the website. Is there any other social media or other things you want to plug before we wrap it up? Uh, just go to the bitimprov.com and then we're bitimprov on all the socials. I, th I think I've got them all except for maybe Snapchat. I don't know. If you if I don't have Snapchat, please don't register it out from under me and then try and sell it back to me because I won't buy it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you to all of you who are listening. I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, please, if you if you enjoy Connected, if you enjoyed this interview, please follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and feel free to rate and review us. We love five-star reviews. Um, it helps get our name out there if you do that. So please go ahead and do that. Um, also, you know, this is a production of Side Street Studio Arts. You can follow Side Street Studio Arts on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we even have a TikTok, uh, even though I don't know what we put on our TikTok. We do have one. So please check that out as well. And uh Please keep listening. Uh, we put out a new episode every Wednesday and stay connected. Thanks. Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected, and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.